Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about, I guess, a weird subject where we're going to try to convince your players, if you're a player or players at your table, to GM a game. Yeah, and, you know, it's, I know we always talk about role-play. I don't know if we're going to be able to touch on that this time, but we're, we're going to try. We're going to try as hard as we, we can. We say that often, and we always end up touching it. We, we just can't <laughs> help ourselves. You're right, Chris. So I should I should just avoid the caveat altogether and just say <laughs> you're gonna be a master of role play after today's episode, guaranteed. That's yeah, that's our yeah, new yeah. Uh, intro. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Three tips and you're good to go. Yeah. Well, I yeah, guess we wouldn't have a, a podcast. Yeah, exactly. There wouldn't be a point to to all this riffing and deep diving and stuff. But uh, <laughs> anyway, before before we bore our listeners with our riffing let's uh let's talk about ourselves because who doesn't want to hear about us how are you doing chris how's how's life treating you pretty good uh daughter is screaming a little bit less even though she's screaming right now and uh no that's good i was just checking (laughs) and uh starting uh work again and yeah a lot of adjustment lately but uh we're all we're all still adjusting to everything's always new basically yeah Um, yeah well i mean if the job is new that means or not new but if you just started that means we we ran our weekend of rpg madness uh just at the right time sounds yeah exactly exactly so last last weekend uh matt has a had a crazy idea uh well it didn't seem that crazy at the time but experiencing was a little bit crazy at least on my side (laughs) i don't know about you matt you want to talk about your idea and everything yeah for sure so for those of you listening i mean you might have you might have heard us talk about this before but uh, chris and i and and the rest of the players at our table we we decided to set up a virtual tabletop weekend where we played what was it six or seven sessions of role-playing games in a span of 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 a long weekend we took a monday off and played friday night yeah friday night saturday sunday or friday friday night saturday lunchtime saturday night sunday lunchtime sunday night monday lunchtime monday night so we played we played a lot of role-playing games um and it was fun wasn't it chris it was uh i must admit it was a little bit exhausting on my part uh like i said if i can complain again and again uh but uh yeah i mean having i think one of the things was having two games like you know like a six hour game then like what was planned was an hour pause and then another like i guess five hours game uh at one point it's it's not that you tapped out in terms of role play or it's just the amount of energy and i mean it would be different in real we're in front of our computers still right yeah yeah exactly that made it a little bit a little bit trickier but it was really neat i think that and actually what inspired us about what inspired us to make today's episode about players and why we think if you're a player you should run a game uh in particular there's a lot of benefits if you do it when you run a game for other people at your table or your game master uh, was because that's exactly what happened during this weekend where we ran games for one another we rotated game masters uh, there, there was a, there was five different game masters for for the different games, and some of us repeated 
uh, a couple of games. But I mean, it was it was nice to have this cycle, and it's precisely why we find ourselves here today to talk about this. Um, and I'll actually take a second here to make a, a little plug. You know, if you're listening to the show and you're a game master, I'd highly encourage you to share this episode with your because today's today's purpose is for Chris and I to try and convince your players to run a game, especially if you have a player that's like on the fence and they don't know they don't know if they should run a game or not. We're hoping we can be that nudge, that gentle nudge into that direction. <laughs> gentle. Just do it. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, no, I was so hyped about having two of the players that I've been game mastering for years, I guess like three at this point, in three years, I mean, not three people, uh, two of them, one was a like, I know game master in like a while back, but like, I, they never game mastered for me, like you game master for me and our, our friend Alex also did, but like the two others I was very curious to see what would happen and I guess what I would learn from it. I kind of kind of came into this and I guess we can talk about this. I don't know if that's the right time, but like I came into this trying to keep an eye open to see, um, I guess when you game master, you put in the game, the, the things you, you want to see, or at least thing you think are important. So I was trying to see it as an eye of like, how can I run better for them? Because it's easy. Like we also, like we even talked about our debrief and like asking questions to your players. But we also said players don't know what they like. They don't know what they want. Even they tell you something, it's not exactly often what they want. But like when they run a game for you, they can't really hide their preferences. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And actually, that's I think one of the big benefits, right, of of having a player run a game, especially if they're running a game. For, for their own game master is that you get to kind of showcase your own preferences and the things you as a person want and consider to be critical components of a game, right? I'm, I'm thinking of one of the games that, you know, one of, one of our friends ran, he included quite a, quite a bit of puzzles in his game. And I honestly hadn't realized before that night that he cared so much about puzzles. Um, well, I wonder actually if, that, that that would be a good question for him. Like, does does he think it's because it's critical, or does he just feel like, you know, like we cover some ground of the role playing game hobby? Maybe mm -hmm. he's like, oh, this is something I can actually bring to the table, and because we, you and I, are not like, I mean, we do puzzles, but it's not something we bring every game, or even if like, it, it's a special occasion when we bring yeah. it, and it needs to make narrative sense, and uh. <laughs> So, uh, well, actually, you did it in your game. That that just happened at that game on the weekend. You also brought, like, a sliding puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I know. I brought, they're called Rush Hour Puzzles. I kind of integrated that poorly, <laughs> I think, pretty poorly <laughs> into the game. But I was well, like, you know, ah, you know what? It's like, you put, like, it's basically like the cars that you move, and it was, like, crates we needed to move. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, like, right away, without you explaining it, just seeing it, I was like, okay, we need to move them laterally. <laughs> and then at one point someone said like i guess we need to move them laterally and i was like oh man that's true like i assumed this but this is boxes we could move them the way we want no and there were special wheels without hinges <laughs> they could only move laterally that was that was the whole deal but uh <laughs> um you know i i had a lot of fun putting that in the game and actually yeah i, I mean i i don't know if if 
that was his preference or if he thought it just needed to be part of the game or or, or what. But it, it definitely shed some light on, like you're saying, Chris, the things that are valuable to him or the things that he considered important enough to include in the game. So that's, if you're a player listening to today's episode, there's a, there's a big benefit here if you run a game is that you're going to get to showcase your version of the game to everybody else. And that can give some insight to your game master as to these are the things that you like in a game, or maybe these are things that are missing in your game, right? Like this is something that perhaps that player, when they included puzzles in their game, Chris, was telling us as game masters, hey, I don't think there's enough puzzles in your games, or, or at least maybe not explicitly saying that, but like, you know, this is something I haven't done in a role-playing context, context in quite some time. Why don't I include it? Um, so it could shed some light on your own play style as a game master and kind of shed some lights on things you could include or exclude from future games. Yeah, I, th I think something you're kind of touching on a little bit is this concept of contrast. Uh, I, I game master for my brother who game master for me for years and years, and basically this is my whole background, him. Uh, so we're kind of similar on many points. Uh, you and I are significantly different, but we still have our common ground, I think. Mm -hmm. Having those other people, and I'm, I mean, we also have uh, Alex and like the other one, but like having new game master kind of, I don't know, contrasted with my game in a way that made me appreciate my game and appreciate their game for what they were. Like the differences were interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's also extremely insightful, right? Because like you're saying, Chris, you you look into into someone's mind's eye as they're running a game and even if they don't know the rules as well as they should or even if if they are making you know certain mistakes because of inexperience that that didn't really matter that didn't affect my enjoyment of the game at all like you're saying it allowed me to see this contrast i like that word actually contrast is is the perfect perfect definition here for that and it it allowed me to reflect on my own game in, a, in an interesting way where I was like, oh, that's right. Like I could take that and run with it and find a way to integrate it in my game and, and see if I can you know, make, put my own twist to it. Um, yeah, and, and, and something I want to point out too in terms of like gain, I guess, of having your player game master for it. Because we, we talk about like, oh, important stuff. And we could talk about theme also. And even like world building, like one of my one of the players ran like a sci-fi, which is really not my comfort zone, but I can appreciate for what it is. But the one thing I was okay, I need a little bit of context here. I know I said I wouldn't like set up things, but like hear me out. This 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 has a value. I have one player who I've had at least two one-hour discussion, maybe not an hour, but like let's let's say an hour and a half discussion total about a specific things the way he asked me question in the game he asked me question in the game in a specific way and i always had trouble giving him an answer that i could see would satisfy him all my other players i was fine but this one specifically and it was not i didn't feel it was his fault and i don't think he think it was my fault but we were having a trouble communicating this fact and i was asking him questions taking notes 
I was trying to figure out what yeah. it was. Actually, if, if I could interrupt you for a second, yeah, I, think, I think this is actually perfect context. Um, and I would encourage you to explain it as much as you want, because I'm sure you're not the only person who's lived this kind of thing in, in their game mastering career. Um, so it might actually be beneficial for the game, for other game masters to hear this and maybe having, having their, having that player run a game for them will have the, will help them solve the same problem. So yeah, sorry, back to you that go ahead. Let, that's, that's okay. That's good. Um, so I, this is specific to me and that person, but it would be between two other game master player could be totally different. Like, miscommunication i guess but it wasn't a miscommunication because we were communicating anyway, yeah you were trying to trying we to understand trying, each other yeah yeah and and basically like you said if i if i if i can give more context the idea was like during a game he was playing kind of a rogue uh in my game like during a game he asked me a lot of like uh what what do i think is the best option and for me as as a game master i would always describe as much as i can I'm a big fan of like bring them to the to the kind of the the edge of the cliff, but they have to jump. Like, mm -hmm. don't tell them to jump. Just bring them to the edge of the cliff, and then they make the deduction. They make the call. But that that player, and it's I'm not it's not a it's not a judgment on their part. Is the kind of person that when they play a video game, they have to tr try every possible way. So what would end up is I think he felt like I wasn't giving proper direction because I was just giving general description that I thought were, um, I guess, clues enough to make an educated yeah. decision. Or even, you know, would facilitate choice, yeah. um, which was maybe part of the roadblock in the first place. I don't know. Yeah, and all my other players were were kind of fine to be like, okay, this is the amount of information he's going to give me. Now I'm going to make a call. But he would feel very unsatisfied. And that's maybe, again, maybe it's just my perception of it. But he would seem unsatisfied with, with it and and we had a lot of discussion and i didn't want to tell him like well you think your character would like to go left because of xyz um because i didn't feel it was fair for my other players okay let's 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 say that's enough context yeah that's good <laughs> i was coming to that game to answer that specific question like i was coming to his game to be like how does he give intel how does he give uh, how does he set up decision making? And I was, I mean, I, I want to say shocked. I was pretty shocked on how he did it because it's so different than anything that I would do. And it took me a while to like, <laughs> I want to say accept. Like it took me a while to be like, okay, this this is how we're doing it. Okay. And again, no judgment is just comfort zone or like go to. And, and now that I've experienced it on the other side, I'm excited about giving that to him in in the game and i still have to balance what i do with that specific players compared to the other so i'll have mm -hmm. to think of making sure everything is fair i guess would be the word but um yeah so seeing him kind of set up the situation where he would say stuff like you find a book do you open it and I'd be like, well, yeah, okay, you can open, you can go left or you can go right. Would you, would you rather uh, investigate the door frame? And I'm like, well, I didn't know that was an option, uh, but there's clearly something in the door frame. Like, I was like, okay, I, I see what I would, what I can do with that information in my game. So yeah. I don't know how you saw that, Matt. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely, it was definitely interesting to me 
the in that particular situation, I I think there was definitely some things at play there with that being perhaps his uh, his level of comfort running a game combined with his preferred method of having uh, choice mm-hmm. be delivered to him. So I I would say that that that's something to consider, right? So so for those of you listening. If if you're you're thinking, oh great, I can finally solve a hundred percent of my problem by just like having that player run a game for me, and then I'll understand exactly what they're thinking. That's not what that's not what we're saying here. But it definitely gonna is definitely gonna shed light on on that on that component. If you add in talking to your player, you add in uh, you, you know a, a few other debriefs and things like that. Hopefully, hopefully you can strike the balance that'll solve your quote-unquote problem. I don't know if we want to call it a problem. It, it wasn't really a problem, but... No. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, I, I think there was a big thing gained there. Um, And on the other side, I wonder how he saw, and I guess it would have been... We'll talk at one point. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. I wonder how he saw his setup to kind of... How do you set up things without telling the players what to do? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a balance there. And for me, for me, I saw it like uh, giving him the Witcher's eyes. Like you know when you play the Witcher, or I mean, the, the, or it's like Shadow. a quest marker, right? Like yeah, most most yeah. role playing, most like video game role playing games, like in Assassin's Creed or whatever. You've got the big map with all the literally telling you go to this exact point to find the next thing you need. Um, and like you it, said, it I mean, felt this a lot was like a, that. It was a one shot, so there was like time and stuff like that. But but I think he he would appreciate that a little bit more in my game, which feels. I mean, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm excited to trying it again. So anyway, to come back to the subject of this episode, like I think something like that, if 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 you have a player that seems, I don't, I mean, I, I use frustrated, but I don't know if frustrated is the word. But like, if he seemed to have some disconnect between what you're giving them and what they want. This give you gives you like, I don't think there's a better way because they might not be able to articulate what they want, but they're going to give you, give it to you in their game. Mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, f- for sure. That's, it, it's an interesting lesson that, we, that definitely came out of having somebody who had never game mastered before game master for their first time. Um, Something too that I think is relevant for this episode and actually relevant for that particular game master is the amount of time he had to prepare his game, which mm-hmm. I think is shockingly short. Uh, because we set the game, we set up this weekend maybe 10 days before, uh, 10, 10 days before the actual weekend took place. So he found out 10 days before running his first game ever that he was running his first game ever. He started Monday, he told me. For his game on month so he had like he used a week with week. like he was working and keep in mind he didn't even know what system he would use right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, i mean i don't know if that encourages anybody out there but in in a week's time that's all the time you need to run your first game just pick pick a topic pick a couple of encounters that you want to have included in there or, uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you how to run your game run your game however you want there's a lot of resources out there for for that but i I just wanted to illustrate that that period of time is all you need so if that's what you think is stopping you don't let it stop you 
set it up for next weekend and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, just just go for it. Um, and actually, this 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 player uh, reached out to me asking me for some advice or or at least some some pointers on where to where to go and where to start with. And something that I think is is great, especially if you're a new player, is to look up what I what what are called one page dungeons. They're literally all you need to run a game on one page. Uh, there's a lot of like compendiums that you can buy on on drive through RPG from like independent independent uh, RPG writers. You can you can find some for free as well. There's like a contest every year, the the one page dungeon contest, and then they they post all of their entries and their winners and stuff in PDF format on their website. And I think they also sell a compendium. But anyway, you, you know, look that stuff up. There's a lot of great content there. And it's all you need to run a one a one night game or like a one shot or something. There's a lot of really simple systems too that you could that you could run. Um, this game in particular that uh, that our friend ran for us for his first game was, I guess, his interpretation or his version of a game called Lasers and Feelings. I don't know if Chris, you had heard of. Yeah, no, I thought I, he said it was neon and uh, what was it, neons and lasers? No. His, and, his version was neon and chrome, I think. Neons and um, chrome, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I hadn't heard about it, but if you say it's lasers and feeling, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's by. Uh, oh, now I'm gonna beat myself up for not remember his name. Harper, John Harper, I think he's he's actually the designer for he's the designer for Blades in the Dark. Uh, okay. Uh, which is a you know a pub a, I don't know if it's a famous published game or not, but I mean I bought it so. There, there you go. But <laughs> no, I, think, I, think it, I mean, I wouldn't say famous, but I think it's well known. Uh -huh. uh, but lately, in this realm, I mean, it's D and D and the rest, so it's it's kind of hard to tell. I guess for the rest, uh -huh, who's on uh -huh. top? But um, but yeah, so so go check out Blades in the Dark. It's it's a lot of fun. Go check out any of these other resources uh, on on our Drive Through RPG or Itchio or whatever. Um, and actually, to, let's get back to let's get back to our, our subject at hand here, and it's it's this this trying to convince players to run their first game. So, are are there other things, Chris, that that came out of that weekend that that inspired you, or or, or things that you would consider to be a benefit of having people uh, run their first game? Yes, in that, in that uh, I think there's there's a lot of benefits on the other side too. So, if you're a player who's never ran. I think there's some misunderstanding or misconception that can be, or maybe not, but like can be, uh, I'll say harmful to being a good player. Because sometimes you don't, and sometimes it mean you mean well. Like I think we we had uh, Bailey here from uh, our play podcast who said uh, something about um, when she saw the notes of the game master she was like oh it's way more open than i thought it's way like it kind of mm -hmm. opens your eyes to like okay we can do whatever we want this was one way of doing it but like if you run a game you might get more of a like of a freedom when you go back yeah i i think that's that's very true and i've heard that before from people who run their first game and then after return to being return to being a player, often saying things like this, where it's like, "Oh, I I didn't, I knew it was open ended, but I didn't realize what 
things were open-ended and how open-ended they were. So it, it definitely creates this uh, understanding that can't be replicated, right? So if you as a, as a player, you're, you're trying to tell yourself, okay, what can I do in the game? What kind of impact can I have in the game? Or maybe you feel like you're being railroaded or maybe you feel like you have no agency. Well, run the game yourself and just to kind of get a better understanding of what components of the game you know you give players more leniency with and and how you generate agency and then you can kind of create an appreciation for what your game master is doing for you um the uh, you know at the other end of the table yeah i think appreciation is a big one like even without the this whole freedom thing just appreciating the um, i mean it's not it can be easy, but it's there's a certain feeling, right? It's like putting on a show kind of deal. Like you, there's a certain pressure, there's a certain responsibility, I guess, that comes with the game master. That the play, like if a player just wants to shut down, he just shuts down. Mm-hmm. Like as the game master, if you shut down, your game is done and probably ruined. So there's definitely like a more there. This role is more important. Let's not. <laughs> You need a game master, uh, unless you yeah. There, there's no game. Like there's said. no game happening without a game master, unless you're playing a game masterless system. But that's that's a different story, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so so if you are in those shoes and you need to make those calls and you need to wonder, like, what about the pace? And you need to uh, you you experience the idea of like, oh, I had this track in mind and they didn't follow it. Now, what am I doing? Well. Then when your game master and your next game is uh, maybe a little bit lost and said, you know what, guys, we'll, we'll finish a bit early today because I need to prep more. Like, you'll be like, yeah, no problem. I get it, you know. So this appreciation of uh, wanting to do a good job when you're in that seat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And that makes me think about, too, this, this benefit of having run a game for people within your own table, right? Because then then you can kind of appreciate what your friends are doing for you running a game. It also, I think, you, you'd still you'd still get that gratification or not that gratification, that, that um, real, you still make that realization, I think, running for different people altogether. So, you know, I'm not saying not to do one or to not to do the other, I certainly think there's more benefits to running your first game as a as a player, running your first game as a game master for somebody who who game masters for you, right? Right, having this, like you said before, Chris, when we were talking before the episode, you called that this role reversal between player and game master. I think there's more benefits to be had in that in that scenario than than the other, but that's just. That's just, I guess, my initial reaction to to all this. I don't know if if you want to talk a little bit more about that, if that made you think of anything in particular. Yeah, I mean, you said something about, like, when we we do, I mean, we talked for, like, two minutes before this, and we we talked about the reversal, and you were saying, like, yeah, there's so much more value than this than to run, like, let's say, for your family, your sister and the boyfriend and whatever. And, like, the problem if you run for people who don't have any experience with role-playing game they might not support you the way that the player at your table that you're used to playing with are going to support you. They're more going to be passive and you're going to have to bring... 
everything, all the momentum of the game. Mm-hmm. None the, like let's not even talk about rule explaining, but just like even like pacing, like I said, everything where if you game master for your game master and players that are used to playing with you feel like they're on your side and they're like, yeah, you can do it and you're doing great. And like they want you to succeed even more because I don't know, it feels like uh I don't know, if if you're a fan of football and you initially like you introduce someone to football. You're gonna want to tell them. You're gonna want to show them, and for them to enjoy it, you're gonna try to make it as fun as you can. So, mm-hmm. as a player, I don't think you're gonna be dis- disruptive of that new game master. You're gonna be so helpful, you know, like so helpful. So that's I, I think, without even saying like like you talk about the benefits of it, but it's even it's gonna be easier. It's going to be easier to run for them, I think. The only reason why it wouldn't be easier is if one of your, like, if your game master really holds a grudge. <laughs> and I mean, you killed really... my black dragon, so now I'm going to be a <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> well, I meant more like you know, if if you're a disruptive player in someone else's game, and then you're the game master, then they might want to be disruptive in your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been uh, guilty of that myself, uh, but it wasn't to the detriment of anybody, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and, and actually, I'm going to take with I'm going to take what you talked about, Chris, and run with it. Um, so yeah, definitely having people to support you in the game that you're running for the first time, I think, is of extreme value. There is one thing to keep in mind, and it's there might be maybe added pressure, right? If you're running for people who are experienced game masters, you might feel scared. You might feel like, oh, they're going to judge me. Oh, they're going to think I'm I'm not as good as them or, or what have you. And I mean, I can't speak for your game master, but I'm just going to echo what Chris said in that it's actually a blessing. We th- I, I consider it to be a blessing. If, if one of the people that I play for, that I game master for, decided that they wanted to run a game for me it it, it's almost like they're saying you know what you're doing such a good job of running this game you you you've opened my eyes to wanting to try it myself so it's it's almost like a compliment you're paying to to your existing game master and hopefully they take it well and hopefully they they can see all the benefits that chris and i are mentioning about how it'll show us insights and things like that into your game uh, I actually lost myself in my train of thought there, but support having them support. Yes, but there is there is a little bit of pressure. I, I'm not going to deny that there there might be a little bit of pressure there, and hopefully what we're talking about here uh, is enough to alleviate that pressure. But worst case scenario, you know, don't be afraid to say to everybody else like, "Hey guys, like don't 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 be too hard on me. It's my first game." That kind of stuff. You know, put in those caveats. And and I'm sure I'm sure people will understand. They're just thrilled. I know I was just thrilled to have these people play for like run games for me. So that's uh, I don't know so, if that is helpful yeah, at all. I was I was too. I was so so thrilled, and they did they did a great great job. And and I think the the thing you're talking about of like feeling pressure was actually worse for the person who had hadn't game mastered for a while, but was experienced like in the past because they were kind of coming 
back to it like you know you're rusty and on top of it you're running for those people so the, the people the, the game masters you you came to like play a lot with and and, and who happened to have a show about role-playing games and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if that played but it played in the i don't know if that was a factor but uh yeah he he I, he voiced that concern like i don't think i don't know if we said the name but like the person who was the first time did not seem he was like i hope you're gonna have fun but he was like you know what it's my first time who cares uh where the other one was more like i need to deliver i've been talking about my experience i've been talk i've been giving feedback to those people i need to give like uh, a good experience so that was i understand the pressure then mm -hmm. but at the same time we could talk about game master style too in this where you have to acknowledge the fact that your games are going to be different. You're, you, they're not going to run the game the way you do. So even if they're the best game master and you're the best game master, or I guess second best, like the games are not going to be the same. You're going to disagree with things. You're going to agree with things. I watched Critical Road. I watched Dimension 20, two different, very drastically different games. But yet they can be enjoyed for their own for what they are. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same thing at your table with a player that's running as a game master. And and I think that I, I mean I don't know if we want to be giving too much advice here. But, um, here I am coming up with advice. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think that that's that's there, there's a core to what you just said that that I think is a really good takeaway, and it's to lean into what you are an expert in. You know, lean into things that you know. Because when you're running a game, even if it's for your first time, descriptions of things that you're more familiar with are going to be easier to do. Uh, improvising content, if, if people open up a box and you don't know what's in the box, but you're running a game in a computer shop, <laughs> then you're going to have a lot more to say than, you know, you're going to have a lot more to say if you're an expert in computers than if you're uh, you're running a game in a flower garden and people talk to you about what kind of bulbs are in the ground, you, you better know a lot about bulbs to be able to improvise that stuff. So anyway, um, lean into no, what you're good actually, at. It's funny because I was actually going to talk about this before when you talked about the advice and then we changed the subject and I was like, <laughs> oh, well, like yeah, we're starting to merge uh, in one person. Uh, yeah, it was like the, the, the friend who ran for us was a programmer and I couldn't understand, like he was saying things and it was like, this feels very immersive, but I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, <laughs> uh, well, he wasn't like making it mandatory to understand what was happening, but it, it added uh, flavor. It, it added yeah. flavor to his world, which was great. And like you said, if you're a herborist or like you, you really like plants, well, you should really capitalize on that when you're game mastering. It's like I would, I would even say, and that's what I was going to say. Like, you should start with that and find a system that can run this. Like, if you're a fan of sports, then try to find something where you can put a sport, uh, a sport activity in the middle of your game or, or make it all around a sport event. Or, you know, like, if you're a fan of, I don't know, collecting shoes, then you can have, like, a weird, like, you're in a weird, like, shoe factory and there's a murder. I don't, I don't even know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you take whatever yeah. and then you find a system that can play it. Don't, don't think of only D&D, &D, especially if it's your first game. Uh, there are so many, like you said, like, one-pager, which are easy to run and are 
so good for for exactly that for just getting the feel of it without being bogged down in in like encumbrance and like spell slot and stuff like that yeah absolutely um that that's why i really like running the fate system fate core fate accelerated they're super rules light games um they they also make for really easy character creation um i i don't know if you want to get into that but if you're running your first game presumably people don't have characters yet for that game um don't don't make the mistake of having everybody you know roll up their characters on at that first game you're gonna use up you're gonna eat up half the time uh you you had allocated for the for the game in the first place so yeah if you don't know how to do it quickly it's definitely gonna take a while uh and and if i can just jump in on the fate thing here like i think i think fate like if you're looking for a system fate is perfect because it's uh you can do it in any genre and but the caveat about fate would be you need to want to role play you need that's true you need to want to have those scenes because it's built around that. Uh, if you're going to go for something more um, mechanic or, or I guess even like, like if we take the game that was very puzzly, the goal was mainly to make skill checks. So it was just basically one very simple skill check system. Uh, there was not like, we didn't really define our characters because that was not the point. The point was the getting to the exit basically mm -hmm. uh, so I, I i guess i would say fate if you want to role play and now we talk about this role play let's concentrate on role play that you put the caveat at the beginning if you're listening to, to us i guess you probably value role play i would say fate is a great introduction or fate accelerated like matt said which is an even more like i guess simpler version but i don't know it's yeah it's it's super simple it's and it's i mean not that the game master's job is to make people fail. That's the, the but, but I mean, we had an episode about challenging and enabling players. If you want to go back and listen to what we had to say about that, go listen to that episode. It was a while ago now. But Fate Accelerated, even the Fate Core system, are not really systems that are going to hinder your players. Like they're not going. It's not going to challenge your players very much. It's going to allow them to be creative in their solutions, pick the skill that they think is, you know, that they're the best at, roll it, and like nine times out of ten, they're they're gonna they're gonna succeed. Um, so if you're running your first game, especially with that kind of system, like Chris said, it's it's to facilitate role play. It's, it's maybe to tell a story, uh, to immerse players into an environment, and and really push a certain narrative along uh, in your in your limited amount of time. Um, and, and I don't know, Chris, if we want to get into, into running your first game as a one shot versus running your first game in a campaign, if, if there's distinctions there, if we want to steer clear of that altogether, because it's going to put us down a rabbit hole that we won't be able to get out of. <laughs> I mean, I, I can lay my, what I think pretty, pretty fast, but I'm not sure it's super helpful. Um, but we can try it. Sure. Okay. Let's be quick about it then. Let's let's. If All you're right. running your first game as a player, we're telling you to do it. It's a lot of fun, and you should do what, Chris? A one shot or a <laughs> or not else. a one. not a one shot. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me say it that way. A one shot is the thing that most people are going to tell you to do 
it's a great way to doing it. It's self-contained, so that's why it feels like a good first time of doing it, of, of getting this experience. The problem with OneShot is it's exactly that. Because there's more constraint, you have time constraint. One of those, those uh, Game Master, the one who was returning, I feel like he, he ran a close to perfect game for his style. There was one moment where he was like, mm, clock is ticking. I need to give that to them for us to jump, I would say, almost an hour of content in the future to just to get, get it done because we didn't yeah. follow the right path. Well, this, for me, is a hard thing to know to do. This guy was experimented, experienced. You and like, you can definitely tell that's what happened. Yeah, and, and he confirmed yeah. it after. If you're new, you might not know when to do that. So if you limit yourself of thinking, I have this amount of time to do my one shot, it might stress you out more than it needs to. Being concise, being precise, and being um, ev doing everything with purpose in a limited amount of time is hard to do. So I think one shot is a a whole like it's a whole technique. I'm not good at running one shot. I can tell you that. Like I have, I'm I think I'm decent at pacing, but I'm bad at time management. I don't like to like skip mm -hmm. things. I like to like wallow in the in the details. You know, uh, I don't want to run a one shot. So even though I kind of started with a one-shot the first time, uh, I wouldn't redo that. I, I would just be like, you know what? Figure the campaign, play for the amount of time, be comfortable stopping when they go off rails and you're losing, like, you're losing kind of, like, where you're going with it and tell that to your, like, oh, we'll try to do it one time, but it might take two. That's, that's, I think that's, giving freedom to you as a game master, removing the constraint and the pressure of like taking something that somebody else has created and skinning it to fit your setting, skinning it to fit, you know, your vision, then I think a one-shot is, is perfect. Because a lot of these things that exist, a lot of these one-page dungeons or what have you, uh, someone's done the work to make it self-contained enough that in your descriptions, in your explanations, players still feel the, the agency to do what they want, but there's enough direction in, in the content that's provided to you that you don't have to... It's like running a one-shot with training wheels, which isn't a bad thing if it's your first game ever. Um, the, the, other, the, the other thing that you said that I, that I really like, Chris, is that give yourself the time you need to, to run your game. So maybe telling everybody, okay, we have three hours, I'm going to get this game done in three hours, isn't the right move for your for your you know as a player to, to run your first game i would probably tell people out of the get-go i'm anticipating this is going to take three hours might take us 10 and like if it takes us 10 i hope you guys are okay with stopping short tonight and and we pick it up another time that that's 
that's kind of where where I stand on that. Well, yeah, then then we agree. I mean, I mean, it makes sense to not like start a whole campaign with like setting plots for like game like many like we talked about adventure with Brennan, right? Like you're setting up one adventure. What I'm yeah. saying is yeah. a one shot to me is self-contained in one shot. Mm -hmm. In one yeah. game. Which is which is harder to do than it looks. Yeah, it's harder to do. And and what I would say, like, I mean, this is not a one-shot episode, I guess, but like if you're gonna do that on your first game, make sure you have a lot of blocks to remove and add. Mostly remove, I guess. Like uh, again, like that player did it well, where he basically at the start he had the end, and he had a bunch of like stop blocks puzzle. And at one point he was like, "Do we want to play for another half hour or another hour?" And we were like, "Well, what did Jeff plan?" He's like, "Well, I have like three puzzle I could put in, basically to adjust the time. Like, mm -hmm. did you prefer that puzzle or that puzzle? Because I have one that's more like the first one. One is, so so it's really like." It's choose your own adventure where you put just like okay here's a here's a stopping block more but if you didn't have the time we just remove it which is not the way I tend to run the well I guess like we have interrupts it's kind of like interrupts but a bit shorter I guess I don't know but this this allows you to adjust for time and and not stick to like okay this is going to be the adventure. We're going to go, they're going to go there and then they're going to ask that person this. And because if you have this big line in front of you, it, there's a good chance that's not what's going to happen. And then you're going to feel lost and you want to, you're going to want to hit all those notes that you prepped mm -hmm. in order for the end to make sense. Like you need to be able to remove a bunch and the end would still make sense, I guess would be my advice mm -hmm. for a mm -hmm. first time. Yeah, so let's if you're cool with it, Chris, let's let's keep going back to benefits. For those listening, unscripted shot, we have no idea where this is gonna take us, but what are other benefits, other things about having players be a game master? Um you That's... have something? Or uh, <laughs> can I run with it? <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. You have something, go for it. Okay, so um another really interesting part, and I don't know if it has to do with players being game masters or what have you, but what I really enjoyed in that weekend, and I'm sure it had to do with people uh, being players, being game masters, and different rotating game masters, was that we saw a lot of interesting settings. We saw a lot of interesting, uh, interesting like environments that I wouldn't have considered running before. Uh, and like the one setting that was run that I had so much fun in was the one. That was in like Salem, but like not Salem, during like witch trial period in the in you know, it set in our world. Like it was it was set in the world in a fictional town, but like an hour away from Boston. It it was really cool, and and you could tell that this setting and the 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 themes of the game were represented by things that the game master who was running it like wanted to explore and and maybe i'm bleeding into a little bit about things that are comfort food for for you and things that you're 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 knowledgeable in but one of these benefits that i really saw out of this was i got to experience a lot of settings and a lot of environments that i would have never gotten the chance to experience and i would have never felt comfortable running so 
I, I don't know if this encourages people to try game, being game masters or not, but, but I think what I'm trying to get at here is it's okay to be different. It's okay to, you know, if you and your friends are always playing in like Fantasyland or Warhammer or like a very stereotypical setting, it's not a bad thing to switch it up. It's, it's actually, I welcomed it and I would hope that other people that you run a game for would as well. So if, you know, if you're champing at the bit to, to play a game in a sci-fi setting or you're champing at the bit to play a game in, in like historic, historic England or Viking time or whatever, just, just do it. Just go for it. And, and people will, people will lean into that, I think. Yeah. And like, like I would, I would even, like you said, I would argue that not only it's okay, but it's, better like i wouldn't have liked if someone ran warhammer well mm -hmm. i mean i think i'm the person who knows warhammer the most but like i i wouldn't say i wouldn't have liked but i wouldn't have it wouldn't have feel as fun to explore you know if if you're just trying to copycat your game master you're kind of missing the point of the exercise at least one of the points of the exercise and sh if we go back to like the like you said, go go with what you know or go with what you are interested in. It's it's so nice to you want to be the person that's the most comfortable with the setting, I guess, mm -hmm. if possible. Obviously, maybe you don't have any ideas, but I'm sure you do. I'm sure you know what if if you're a fan of Candy Crush, do it in Candyland. If you're a fan of anything, you can just make it comfortable. Uh, for you, at least. If you uh, watch a lot of scary movie, here you go. Um, I'm sure you can find something. Um, and it's, like you said, I think there's a buy-in too, where you need to maybe give... Like, I think you and I, Matt, already played in other Game Masters, and we kind of already went through the process of, oh, it's different, but I need to appreciate it for what it is. Now I'm wondering, like, maybe that's also something that needs to be prepped. Like, if you have a same, the same game master for the last 5, 10, 15 years, and then one of the players wants to do it for the same table, then the table need like, the expectation needs to be set that the goal is not just to have, like, another parallel game or another, like, mm -hmm. it's going to be a whole new thing. Like, forget what you know forget what you think is, forget like the calls that we've been arguing about. It's not important. Like you can be, I'm rule heavy, I'm rule light. You can like, you know what, it's let's restart. So that's probably important to give the benefit of the doubt and like give the chance of their new game master to run the game. They want to run. Yeah. I, for I, I really agree with that. And uh, it's a good caveat to make. You don't necessarily... I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage you to say precisely what you're doing. I, you know, like if you're gonna run a, if you're gonna run a game, in a on a pirate ship, you, you don't necessarily need to say, "Hey guys, this is the setting I'm using." But at, at the very least, I think it's it's important for you to to state that it's going to be different. Brace yourselves for change. Not everybody accepts change uh, as easily, I guess, as others. So maybe prime everybody for that expectation for sure. That's a good point, Chris. Yeah, and like 
you said I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend. I think it really depends what you're trying to go, but like I think it is cool if you like it's a pirate theme and everybody's like coming with like arg and like everybody's hyped and but you're already setting expectation, then you kind of have to meet them if that's what you want to do. Like if if you say you're gonna run a pirate game and it just end up like being pirates in I don't know like a sci-fi thing, then you like you yeah. kind of have to tell them first because you want them to get hyped and like not get what they expect. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean the, the the reason I said that and elaborate is that I I feel like if you give a certain expectation, like I I also never thought I would enjoy playing in a sci-fi. It's funny that you said that because I have a hard time reading sci-fi. I, I can watch sci-fi. I have, like I enjoy watching sci-fi, but I have a really hard time reading or or you know playing in a sci-fi setting has never appealed to me. That aesthetic, I guess. I don't know. So if somebody told me that we were going to be playing a sci-fi game, I probably would go into it with like a bad, unintentionally mm. like a, a bad attitude. Like I'd unintentionally be less excited about it. Whereas if we just start playing like like we did, I was even late for the game. I came into it and I was like, "What's going on?" And, and it, I like, I got to discover that it was sci-fi as I was playing. It almost felt more palatable uh, to mm. me. I, I don't That's know. If, yeah, I don't know if it's a lesson learned or not. I'm not even sure if it has anything to do well, with the I, stuff, I, but... I think maybe it's lesson. I don't know. I because we're both not sci-fi oriented, I guess, uh, it wasn't bad to not know in advance in that case. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember when, and I took that pirate example from your game, like when you told us you were going to run a pirate game, we came in with that expectation. It kind of fueled the fire to play. So like it, it, it you arrive already thinking about the game where you don't get that kind of engagement if, if you don't, but at the okay, same time, yeah. if you're not excited about it, you know what? It, you, you get the best and you get the good and the bad of like, do they want to play pirate? Do, are they like, I know, for instance, when uh, you pitched and I, I remember, I don't know if it was an option, but I talked to my wife about it, about maybe joining because your wife was playing it. And she was like, it's not Matt. I just not interested in pirates at all. So yeah, yeah. The, like maybe if you, the set, the setting would have been different. She would have been like, you know what? I'm going to join and maybe, maybe I'm going to like it. So I, like, I remember uh, the other players and I were hyped about it, but uh, I guess that was luck more than design. Yeah. Or, or I guess maybe if we're going with the scenario where people don't like change, maybe maybe you can you can prime them for the change and, and get a sense for if they want to know the themes or not. I, I suppose if if we're trying to take a takeaway out of this, but yeah, that's also if you want to adjust, difference. right? If yeah. you say pirates and like two players are like, oh, really pirates? Then you might be like, okay, I'll think of something else. Like like you said, you need to be comfortable with it and not let them necessarily choose. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean if if. If I was gonna say like we're gonna play Warhammer and everybody be like, "Oh, I don't want to play Warhammer," like maybe I'll think of something else then, right? Anyway, yeah. yeah. And no, actually, I, I, yeah. If, if I may, Chris, we have a couple of people who commented on Twitter oh. on the, on our poll that helped us decide today's episode. 
Um, I don't always do that for those of you listening, but but I do sometimes post on Twitter ahead of ahead of recording to to kind of get some insight on what people want to hear us talk about, and uh, th- that's where we, in part because of our episode, in part because of our weekend, in part because of these these uh, this poll, we decided to talk about why players should game master, and and there was a couple of comments, and I'll read out one of them, I suppose. Um, and Chris, if it inspires you to think of anything, feel free to go ahead. So this one is from Star Shinobi. And Star Shinobi, how you doing? You've been a longtime listener of the show and a longtime follower on Twitter, so I hope you're doing well. Star, um, she comments, being a DM, even once, is a great thing for a player to do. It helps them really understand what is what all goes into making games wonderful. Um, I, I think that echoes a little bit of what we said about getting to appreciate certain elements of the game. I don't know, Chris, if that uh, if that resonates with you or makes you think of any new new topics. I think, I like you said, I think it confirms, I guess, <laughs> what we said at the beginning, which was you need to understand the working parts, the way everything is at the kind of behind the GM screen so you you can get better equipped than to be a player and help your game master in the future. Actually, that's yeah. That's actually totally a benefit that we didn't talk about. Um, like you can help each other out uh, in in that sense, right? Because because understanding the game more, understanding what goes into being uh, what goes into being a game master, and I don't know if we explicitly said it, but it makes you a better player. I think, right? Like mm-hmm. not only do you get to appreciate what your game master does for you, but it it will like just by virtue of having lived that experience, make you a better player. You'll maybe understand the rules better. You'll maybe understand uh, where your character fits into the story better. You might understand uh, spotlight management better, right? That's always a challenge. Maybe before you used to get impatient because you, you, you didn't feel like you got enough spotlight. And now that you got to live the other side, you, you realize, oh, managing spotlight is harder than it looks. People forget. The players, maybe you'll start to say, "Hey, is it my turn yet?" Like you'll step up to to get your spotlight because you know that sometimes the game master does just kind of forgets unintentionally. Anyway, I, I feel myself rambling. The opposite is true too. Like I, I have more problems right now with players who don't engage enough or are not like making active choice enough. Of like, you know what? There's a there's a space there. I'm gonna take it to bring the story forward. If you're the game, when you go at the game in the game master's chair, and you see that if the players are not bringing as, uh, things to you and are not gift giving to you as the game master, then it's really hard to build momentum and to build the story if you're just there and they're just making like bullying choices of like left, right, and stuff like that. Like you need to, they need the players need to make decisions. So. When you're the game master, you see that and you're like, you know what? When I'm gonna go back to the player's chair, I'm gonna I know now that I wanna give the game master more. I, I thought the game master is the orchestra orchestra leader and I need to like wait for his command. But no, no, no. When I was game master, I appreciated when people came forward with ideas. Yeah, so I think and sorry, Chris, and the kind of ideas matter too. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's good to bring forward ideas, but you're not going to get a good sense of understanding 
what ideas are easier to run with than others. Or you might as a player, but you'll certainly live that experience as a game master. You know, you'll know. I know for a fact that the more I game master, the more I as a player when I'm playing, I know what kind of uh, what kind of seeds to plant that my that I hope that my game master is going to be excited about. Um, and and the only way I think, or the best way to learn that is as a, to be a game master yourself and to get other players to bring forward things and for you to realize, oh, this one's really easy for me to integrate. Oh, that character is bringing forward an NPC, but they didn't flesh them out very, very much. That's perfect. Allows me enough flexibility as a game master to mold it into my game. Uh, if you as a player, you're like, here's my family tree and the first and last name of every single person and their profession and everything that they do all the time, it becomes really hard for the game master to, or at least in my experience, really hard for the game master to integrate something like that into a game. But if you're coming forward with little tidbits of information, oh, my character's married to his wife and he hasn't seen her in a very long time. That's it. That's all you, that's all you, that's enough for the game master to run with. That, that kind of stuff. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't know if we explicitly talked about like being disruptive. I guess we kind of circled around it, but like there's some behavior that also when you're in the receiving end, you might be like, oh, I thought it was funny, but now that I have like 17 things to juggle and like I'm trying to manage spotlight and I'm trying to get, bring the story forward and now they're yawning or now they're on their phone. Uh, yeah. Maybe you... Th- didn't think about it too much because well they're like game master is busy you cannot be engaged all the time well when you're the game master then you might feel the sting of it a little bit which is not a bad thing it's like you know we we want to encourage them of being game master it's like it's it's a gift for your game master but it's a gift for you too to maybe open your eyes and want to grow as a player a little bit uh, you might still be great player even if you're not doing this. That's not what I'm saying, but it's it, it might shows you show you the the area where you can you can improve a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, some might be really bad, but mostly it's probably just little things. Yeah, uh, and actually something that I had told myself to remember to say, and then we stopped or we took a tangent. But yeah, let's talk about rules real quick. I, I think we should I think we should talk about rules. Um, and I'm going to start by saying. If you're a player and you want a game master, don't worry about the rules. That's what I'm going to say. Don't worry about the rules. You know, you can pick systems. You can pick a new system that's rules light, or or you can pick a system that you know that you've played a lot and you, but you're not, you know, super 100% familiar with the rules. That's okay, or at least I think that's okay. You have other players at the table that that can help you if you find yourself in a pinch, you know. You don't have to be all high and mighty and know 100% of the rules. No one, you're not a robot. You're not a dictionary. You're not a handbook or whatever. It's okay to ask your players, like, how do you guys think we should make this call? Or what's the rule for this? And, and just don't let that be the barrier to entry for you to be a game master is, is, is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, and like you said, you can ask, and I would say make sure you're... Make sure your, especially your old game master, your normal game master knows to wait to be asked. You know, like I remember when we played uh, one of the 
one of those two players, one person who the person who was returning to the game master chair, he said something. He had he like, well, Chris, tell me if I'm making any mistakes with the rules. And I right away said, no, I'm not. You can ask me what I would make as a call, or you can ask me if you want, but I'm not going to interrupt your game to tell you you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm here for. Like, you need to ask. So I think this needs to be on. Like, even that was that was the the player being a game master asking me to correct him during the game. This this is a red flag. You don't want to do that. I, I don't. Anyway, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. Like, I do it a little bit in D and D because I feel like D and D is. Because this was fate. Fate, you're fine. Make your call, whatever. It's very, like, loosey-goosey. In D&D, I am a little bit more rule lawyers because I feel like there's a lot of balance issue when you start ignoring certain things. So what I do, I usually tell the person, do you realize, like, do you know that this is the actual rule? And when they make their call, I'm like, okay, then you stop, right? I'd say that's probably the the top version of, like, rule lawyering your, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. player who's not a game master yeah i i think that that's a good point i mean you should definitely say to everybody don't interrupt me that's that's just going to be disruptive to the game but but do, do the other way around right if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what the call should be i mean whether yeah. you're an experienced game master or not i think it's a valuable thing to do to ask mm-hmm. your players about their opinion about about a call um but then make your own decision as the game master. You know, make your decision, stand by it, and that that's what that's what's gonna happen. Um, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with saying like, "Well, this is the call for today." I mean, if you're running only one game, that's not really a big issue. But like sometimes, again, like balance, you might realize like, "Oh, I thought this was," but now that I think about it, and in other situation, it would kind of wouldn't apply that way. Like you can just be like, this is how like this is and even I think you said you you did that like for one of the spells of one character and you're like, you know what, if it be the campaign, I wouldn't let you do this, but this is a one shot, so go for it. <laughs> so like there's no harm in, in telling them basically, yes, but I'm setting expect I don't want this to be a new expectation. This is this is not a new thing. Yeah, yeah. Or or the or the reverse, right? Like you can let them do it and then realize after that you set a precedent that you didn't want to set. And then you mm-hmm. can retcon it and nerf their character or whatever. But, but I mean, no, nobody likes that. Everyone's going to give I you a hard that. time. That's what I do. <laughs> but, uh, but it's okay to do it. All right. Well, I mean, I think we, we, we did the rounds of, of... I'm sure we could talk about this forever, Chris, but I, we're kind of running long. I don't know if you had final thoughts, final words before we get to get to the wrap up or whatever I, I think i would just say like we we mentioned a lot of like oh there's a like oh game master now you'll see like like yeah it's there's a it's it's it can be scary but the thing is it's like like i said it's like putting on the show whatever show you're gonna put on if if everybody's open-minded it's gonna be fun like that's that's the and and on as you go through this, you're going to learn a lot, even if your goal is not to become a game master, right? As a player, you'll, you'll learn a lot. And, and I, always, I even said that in the Discord chat when we were talking, setting up this weekend. Like for me, being a game master is a gift. And if you have the same, like it's a gift you're giving to your players. If you have the same game master all the time, it's nice to show that appreciation by 
trying it a little bit. Because if you're just like dismissive about it and like I'm never gonna be game master, I don't know. I feel like you're saying like I I'm not willing to do this for you. Like it can't. Maybe it's not your cup of tea. But like try it. Just I don't know. It's a gift. It's a gift. Yeah, yeah. I I I think like and I agree with what you're saying, Chris. Just just give it a try. You don't have to want to run a big epic campaign. You, you know that that doesn't have to be the premise, but it it is definitely fun for everybody else. It, it's it's this uh, voyage into your imagination as as a person. It's it's this show that it's it's this intimate show that you're giving the people at your table. Uh, and it's fun. It's nice, and and hopefully everyone is going to be like the people we've played with in the past, where they're just encouraging and excited. And it's nice to have that cheer, like that squad of cheerleaders rooting you on. So you know, if you have some nerves, it's it's okay. It's normal. I mean, I have nerves before every single game I game master, even even if I've been doing this for a very long time. But it's all worth it. It's and it's. There's benefits to like like what we've been talking about all episode. There's so many benefits that it's you know it's worth kind of trying to get over that that hump of of nerves to run a game. It'll help you understand the game better. It'll help you understand your role as a player better. It'll help you appreciate your game master. It'll help you role play better. It'll help you know when and how to take your place in the in everything. It's just it's just. Oh, you'll live yeah. longer, you'll lose weight, uh, your hair's <laughs> gonna grow back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll you'll feel well rested. Yeah. <laughs> it's the miracle drug, guys. Just do it. <laughs> Alright, I think we're I think we're done here, Matt. <laughs> we're done. All right. So let's call it a chat. Oh no, I forgot to do all the plugs. Let's <laughs> let's do the plugs. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us, you can contact us on Twitter. That's at roll underscore play underscore chat. We have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. When I said we were done, I mean with the discussion, not with everything. Okay, uh, but I got now we're done. It. Now we're done. You go. Close it up. <laughs> Let's call it a chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that in there. Yeah. yeah.